0: This is the Time Out with Shore Sports Podcast, covering sports on the shore with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Now, here are your hosts, Mark and Mike.
1: Episode number 34, Time Out with Shore Sports, presented by... The fine folks at the Preston Automotive Group. Mark Potter, Mike Bradley, back with us again this week. Hey there.
0: Hey, doing much better than I was a couple of weeks ago, that's for <laughs> sure. Man, I was I was in a bad way, but uh, feeling much better now. Well, we're glad to have you back. You missed a, a great interview. I, I, I know, it I keep a missing any time I'm out. It's a really great show. I mean, we try to put on a great show every week, but obviously some are a little bit better than others, but I missed uh, the big one with the Caroline coaches uh, last year, and then uh, Kevin. A couple weeks ago? Kevin Luma, he was great. It was because we caught him as he was leaving home
1: to head back to campus. We just had him stop by, and he is so much taller than
0: I am. (laughs) You don't say.
1: (laughs) But uh, it was good to uh, have him here live in studio with us uh, back for episode number 33. This is 34, and this portion of the Time Out with Shore Sports podcast is sponsored by Midshore Exteriors, handling your roofing, siding, and gutter needs across the shore. Every detail matters, so let the Master Elite GAF certified and shingle master roofers take care of your home or business today. More info at midshoreexteriors.com. I guess let's let's wrap up some of the stuff over the past couple of weeks that we didn't get to. We took last week off, and uh, the national championship, uh, North Carolina, they gave it everything they had, but it was Kansas coming out on top
0: yeah, it was a short bench that Hubert Davis had to work with, and they had uh, some of their guards had a really uh, poor shooting night mm-hmm. after having a really good Saturday night uh, against Duke, which was a really good national semifinal game. Uh, you would have thought maybe if they could have rested one of those guards a little bit longer, possibly uh, that you know maybe that gets a reset for them and, and they're able to play a little bit better. But bottom line is, uh, yeah, Kansas. Uh, I mean, obviously, good comeback. I mean, the biggest comeback uh, in final. History. I think the record was what fifteen. What it was, Cincinnati and, and San Francisco, oh, yeah. and they were sixteen. It was fifteen at the half, but I think they were down sixteen early in the second half, and they came back. The, the amazing thing with Kansas is, and they got really good front court play, mm-hmm. uh, so they could match uh, what North Carolina had there. But the amazing thing coming into that win, they as a program as a blue blood, they only had three national championships to the resume. Yeah. This makes four. Uh, you'd think, though, I mean, Carolina six, Duke five, UCLA has what 11 or 12 you would have thought kansas though would have had more than three coming in but that's their fourth and for bill's self a much needed win because you 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 coach at a school like that with all the resources you ought to have to jay wright has two at villanova and doesn't have near what kansas has um but i'll say this today in college basketball with all the parody mark two national championships is like having four
1: that 30 that, years ago you, that is you mentioned yeah. the parody let's talk about that you know the uh, lsu for instance you know that their whole basketball team went to the transfer portal. Yeah. The whole Well their team. head coach
0: did, did get fired though. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, but they brought in a new coach and he- he couldn't hold a team meeting because yeah. there was nobody there. Yeah.
0: I, I mean, to your point though, that that's an extreme. I mean, Maryland just had a change in their head coach, and they didn't have all their entire team go to the portal. To, to your point, yeah. But uh, speaking
1: yeah. of the portal, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, it, the portal's always been big for football. I mean, uh, kids hop around, especially now where they don't have to sit for that year. It's huge. I mean, Virginia Tech had it when we talked with keve Aluma and and Murphy and uh, and and Cooter, uh, you know Kute, Uh They went through the transfer portal with their coach coming from Wolford. But I mean, mm-hmm. it happens more in basketball now. with – Maryland.
0: It's it's crazy.
1: Maryland's yeah. women's team just lost some players. What's going on they there? They lost
0: five players. Well, as I talked with Keith Cavanaugh yesterday on my Baltimore show, it's a little bit of everything. Uh, one of them had to do with academics, so she could focus more on her concentration at a school that it was more of their strong point. In other cases, we need you to play in the front court, but I want to play in the back court. You know, those things happen. also, you get uh, players that end up becoming a little bit too selfish, uh, becoming more me-oriented than team-oriented. And for a number of different reasons, it's sometimes best that they go uh, with that. And so it, it's a number of different reasons as to why uh, the players left earlier. Really, There's five different reasons. Uh, but it's a combination of those things. But Maryland, as we record this today, they're supposed to have, or in the next day or two, they're supposed to have three or four players out of the transfer point. Portal announced that they're going to sign with Maryland. So, you know, initially when all that came out, Mark, it looked like, what's wrong with Brenda Freeze in the program? But as you do a little bit more digging, look, today players have options, and this is just going to be the norm. It's not necessarily a symptom of the program is bad or the culture's bad. It's that players have options, and unfortunately, hey, if they don't like something, if they get stuck with some adversity, they just ship up. and They don't shape up, they ship out. And that's unfortunate because they're learning lessons that they're missing out on, but that's today's college game.
1: And then one program that players didn't have an option, the grambling coach comes in, the volleyball coach, and she cut – all of her players, the whole, I, did, all I, the, did, I didn't see that. All story. the scholarship wow. <laughs> players, the whole huh? team, cut them all, huh? so that they can come. Uh, she's going to bring in her players that she no? had at Little Rock, Arkansas.
0: Well, I, hey, I mean, that's I, crazy. It, it It is crazy, but ultimately, though, you do see, though, Mark, that when a new coach comes in, certain amount of players end up getting weeded out that aren't a part of the new regime, if you will. And and now with the transfer portal, that may have happened anyway to a certain extent where a certain amount of players go. But you're right. Again, that's on the extreme end. We talk about LSU and the players leaving. In this case, the coach comes in and gets rid of all her players. So,
1: Well, I tell you, we've got a great show planned for you today. The legend, Brian Femi, who's been coaching baseball since well, you're just barely over 35 yeah, since, since you were born <laughs> yeah. so he's been coaching baseball a long time coached other sports too we're going to get into the life of Brian Femi that's all coming up right here Timeout with Shore Sports presented by the Preston Automotive Group Choptank Community Health has been a leader in healthcare on the midshore since 1980. We are welcoming new patients and providing convenient care for the whole family in our six medical and five dental centers, as well as our school-based programs. Accepting Medicare, Medicaid, and most commercial insurances aids us in our mission to provide access to exceptional, comprehensive, and integrated healthcare for all. For more information about making Choptank your healthcare home, visit us at choptankhealth.org. Choptank Community Health, see how healthy you can be. This portion of the timeout with Shore Sports Podcast is sponsored by our friends at For All Seasons Behavioral Health and Rape Crisis Center, providing outpatient mental health, psychiatric education, and rape crisis services to the English and Spanish-speaking communities, regardless of one's ability to pay. More info at... For all seasons, inc. Dot org. Mark Potter, Mike Bradley alongside, and we've got the coach, Brian Femi, with us from St. Michael's High School. And, uh, coach, uh,
2: thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. I appreciate it, Mark. Um... We just practiced this morning from eleven to one, so it's give me a you know good place to go when I was finished.
1: Kind of worked out real good. Uh, uh, Talbot County Public Schools. I think most of the school systems are on
2: spring break this week, right? Uh, I think some of them have it next week. Okay. So I, I think between the two weeks, there's uh, you know, depending on where your school system's at, uh, it's a nice little break mid year. So this is what your thirty fifth year. This is my 32nd at St. Michael's. Okay. Uh, my 39th year teaching. I also uh, coached at Easton and Cambridge yes. uh, in my tenure. Here along the shore.
1: But baseball isn't the only sport you've ever coached. I mean, I remember when we had uh, uh, Jody Hyde. I mean, uh, not Jody Hyde. God rest his soul. When we had Jody Ward oh my goodness. Uh, with, with us, he was
2: telling us you also coached football. Yeah, I coached football for uh, several years. it's actually what I was hired to do first down here with Ted Johnson. Um, and I coached with Ted probably for seven or eight years. And then I was fortunate enough to coach with Doug Fleetwood for another three years at Cambridge. So... Uh, They give me a really good foundation on not just coaching, but just life in general.
1: What other sports have you coached?
2: Uh, That's it. I've been football and baseball solely. I filled in to help out in certain situations uh, when we had coaches absent. But as an official coach, those two. And and I've coached travel softball with my daughters in the summer. I'm I'm
1: shocked. I've coached more sports than you have.
2: You got it. Just
1: not nearly as many wins and not nearly as successful. So, (laughs) Brian Femi is with the St. Michael's High School. And so today, we didn't even tell you what today is about. We want to get to know Coach Femi. And yeah. we want to talk about baseball. We want to talk about,
2: uh, you know, th- th- where you came from. You're a Western Maryland kid. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I grew up in um, actually Cumberland, Maryland. And, uh, All I heard growing up were stories about Easton, Maryland. My father started Little League um, in a small town called LaVale Mm -hmm. and they lost the state championship, I want to say in 1955, and my brother played on that team, to Easton. And he kept telling me they played at the Elks. And I said, Dad, there's no field there. And then as I did a little research, I found out, yeah, there was a field there. And uh, I've been trying to find some of the people that were on that team. Um, Mike Butler was on that team, wasn't he? Mike Butler was not on that team. <laughs> um, I we, th- we had to give Mike a little. Bit. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I think the Anthony's might have been on that team. Okay. Joe and Jack.
1: Gotcha. So wow, and so uh, you spent time out there in in Lavelle, mm-hmm. which uh, uh, right there close to Allegheny County um, Fairgrounds, where they have a racetrack. Correct. I announced there for, for a couple of years. So while you're out there and you're learning more and more through school and what have you. Where did you end up graduating from high school, and where did you go to college?
2: I went to a Catholic school up there, Bishop Walsh, where I was fortunate enough to play high school baseball for my brother, who where I still use a lot of the stuff that uh, we did back then. And then I went to college at James Madison, and I didn't play baseball, but I played football there. Okay. So I was at James Madison from 77 to 81. A dukey? So, yeah, a duke. Wow, look at that. Yeah. So
1: why why did you go the football route instead of baseball?
2: Um well I actually uh talked to the baseball coach over there. At that time football when I went was division three. Baseball was division one and the coach felt that I didn't have the uh talent to be able to play there and um and he said they very seldom go with dual guys. So um I'm kind of glad I did. I enjoyed the years playing football there. And while I was there, we went from Division Three to then one Double A. I'm not sure what they call that right. now, but in the four years we made the jump as we went through. And I got to play with uh, Charles Haley and Gary Clark, and we had, uh, matter of fact, Scott Norwood was our kicker. So he's known for a lot of other reasons, but, <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> Wide but right. uh, great guy. Yeah, <laughs> um, wasn't
1: he it, the kicker when the uh, when the Redskins uh, beat Buffalo? He was the or kid. No, giants. he Giants. Bad giants. That's right.
2: Yeah, and he, um, you know, and he, it's, and I, I you know, I've talked to him probably a couple times since then, and it still bothers him to this day. I mean, I just, sure it sure does. It's just, and, and he said the people in Buffalo could not have been any nicer. He said it just, they they welcomed him with open arms, and
1: uh, New York would have hung on. him.
2: Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> but uh, you know, still to play in as many years as he did in the NFL and wasn't all pro, uh, he had quite a career. Just unfortunately, I'd be remembered for that. Well, I just saw that
1: football. I saw Mike's eyes light. Up when you start talking about the people that uh, that you used to yeah. play
2: football yeah. with, it's an
1: impressive list.
2: Yeah, they, um, you know, they, you know, uh, the, James Masson was just growing. These guys come when Gary Clark came in, he was 135 pounds, and uh, I don't think anybody else offered him. And th- we were just in transition into that one AA. Um, Charles Haley was like 185 pounds, and that might have been his only Division One offer. Um, and it just, you know, just it just it was the right place at the right time for those guys. So.
0: I was just going to say, Coach, you were talking. So Madison now, FCS, uh, FCS school with the 1AA. But you mentioned coming from Bishop Walsh. And I went out there for the Alhambra tournament, the basketball tournament, to have all the top Catholic League teams uh, in the Mid-Atlantic region and then some. So I'm a little familiar with going out there when I I went to Calvert Hall. But, you know, it's pretty cool. You know, Western Shore to Eastern Shore, though. I guess uh, the next question, the follow-up, though, is that how did you find yourself in the Eastern Shore and not back coaching the
2: Western Shore back at home? Well, actually, I wanted to go back um, back then, and Allegheny and Fort Hill are known for their football powers, mm-hmm. and that's where I wanted to go, um, but nothing opened up there. And actually, I, I went to the, to, to the shore with my wife, uh, at the girlfriend at the time, on vacations with her family. I said, man, I'd really love to get a job in here. So I sent all my applications out to almost every county on the shore, and I had two interviews. One was Colonel Richardson, and uh, one was at Easton. And uh, quite honestly, I wanted a job at Colonel Richardson, but didn't get it and, and, and got the job at Easton. And so that's how I ended up down here. Boy, that's irony right there. We'll get to that one that's a little a bit later irony. on. We'll remember that one.
1: So, uh, you know, you're kind of a before your time. I mean, nowadays, if you wanted to work at Stephen Decatur, you just reach out, reach out to I Jake know. Coleman. And, and they're writing big
2: checks down there to hire coaches. Well, I was, I was shocked <laughs> when I got hired because, I, you know, I said to the principal at the time was Bob Hall. I said, well, why be coaching down here? And uh, he said, well, you're going to be coaching varsity football and varsity baseball. I said, you mean there's no JV? Or anything? No, no. You know, so back In Western Maryland, it was a lot different uh, path that you would take um, to get those positions. They were a lot harder to get. But uh, down here, as soon as I got down, uh, I was the only baseball coach I had at the time, and a uh, football coach it was just Ted Johnson and myself.
1: Wow. We continue this conversation with Brian Femi coming up here. Time Out with Shore Sports presented by the Preston Automotive Group.
0: Hi folks, David Wilson Jr. of the Preston
1: Automotive Group here. Did you know that we can deliver your vehicle straight to your home or office? You can view and purchase vehicles from Preston's complete inventory online at PrestonMotor.com. Preston Automotive Group is here to ensure you
0: get exactly what you've been looking for. We can even custom order select brands straight from the source. Integrity, urgency, teamwork, personal growth, attention to detail, community. These are the core values
1: we live by here at the Preston Automotive Group. We're family, friends, and professionals. Visit us online at PrestonMotor.com to get started today. Ah uh, yes, timeout with Shore Sports presented by the Preston Automotive Group. This segment is sponsored by our friends at the Edge Training Academy, where passion meets performance. Located in Stevensville at One Twelve Long Canoe Circle in the Chesapeake Bay Business Park, now offering twenty-four hour gym access. More information at theedgetrainingacademy.com. dot uh, com. We got to get back into this conversation. So you end up at Easton High School, um, and uh, you know we're we're talking about. How you ended up, Mike, asked the question, how'd you end up on the shore? You interviewed at Colonel Richardson and Easton High School. Easton High School hires you. You're the football coach and the baseball coach. Correct. And you didn't have any help.
2: I mean, your staff now is like, it's a one-to-one uh, you know, player I, to coach. Yeah, well, I'm trying to think, we, we played field and their coach, I was talking to him, he was the only coach. And I said... Buddy, yeah, I said, I can sympathize for you. He said, I don't think you understand. I said, oh, I certainly understand because I was in in the same boat, um, you know, when I first started. And it's mm-hmm. very difficult, you know, to do with a couple people. I'm just blessed now that I have five guys with me that, you know, could all be head coaches somewhere else if they wanted to be. Right,
1: right. So you were at Easton High School to start with baseball and football. <laughs> Where did you transition from there? Because you
2: left Easton and you went to Cambridge, right? Well, actually, I left Easton and I got a job with Pitney Bowes. Um, oh, you left teaching altogether? I left teaching, and unfortunately, I made more money then in 1985 than I make now but uh, <laughs> it was, with, with a sales job. But um, it, it, it turned out that you know, I really missed teaching. Once I did, I really missed it, and there were some aspects of sales that – I just didn't feel comfortable with Mm -hmm. even though money was was good so I wanted to get back into coaching more than anything so um Mr. Fleetwood called me and uh I I took a job for three years in an alternative school down there teaching an alternative school and then uh you know and again I probably would have stayed down there if they could have got into a PE you know and a PE job opened up and they said we just can't fill this alternative position you know so I, I I wasn't and then it opened up Denver called me at St. Michael's and uh I've been there ever since.
1: So St. Michael's opened up uh, you know, the school. What, what year did they become into existence? I don't know if you. It's remember over a hundred
2: years old. Is I it know, really? Oh yeah, it's, it's it's been there's a lot of history. Our guidance counselor has done a lot of research in it, and it's it's been it's been around for quite a while. All
1: right, so you've been there since ninety.
2: Mm-hmm. Ninety was my first year there.
1: So there, it, it's a small school. It's always been a small school, and it's been one of the smaller schools in the state. Uh, I always asked you before. Uh, any chance of football coming there? And
2: your response to me was always highly unlikely. Yeah, Well, the numbers. Mark, we've we got around between 200 kids and probably 250 every year. I mean, mm-hmm. if the, those numbers flirt. I think we're around 220-some now at the high school level. So with those kids, you know, you got roughly 100 boys. It's really tough to field a team. I think the smallest school in the state that has football is Hancock. But they don't have soccer mm-hmm. and then the smallest school in the state that has both is snow hill right so um you know it's tough some of those teams flirted in and out and uh you know we've tried to start lacrosse and we just can't get the numbers we've tried to start some other things and i, I think you can't have more really than one major sport per season with, when your numbers are that low and you don't have girls soccer down there it's only boys right no but our uh, we've, well, we've had a lot of girls that have played jv soccer mm-hmm. um this year we'd have a jv team so we had uh, one young lady play varsity um but um yeah, we 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 tried to get girls soccer too, and just and I think the most we got was eight. So
1: okay, so let's talk about uh, we'll we'll stay with baseball right now because I want to get into uh, you're also the athletic director there at St. Michael's, and this has been a pretty damn good year for you guys uh, with a lot of uh, streaks being broken. But we'll get to that. I, I want to focus a little bit on baseball. You go there, you have won um, just
2: two Bayside titles, right? We've won two Bayside titles, correct. But
1: but then turn around and you've got ten regional titles and five state titles? Yes. So what? that just blows me away that you've won more state titles than you have Bayside titles. Does that speak to the level of competition
2: in the Bayside? Without a doubt. The, the one year we won the state championship, uh, it was us, James M. Bennett, North Carolina all won it. So, I mean, it, it, and they were all in higher classes. So it's it's very difficult.
1: That I, was the year that uh, Henry Ward took over for me in North Carolina. <laughs> uh, yeah, Henry, Henry
2: was the head coach then. And, um, you know, it, 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 it's it been that way a lot. There's been, you know, a couple teams from the shore. I forget how many times the East region, which sometimes has Anna Arundel, but has won the state championship, uh, it's quite a bit from a baseball perspective.
1: Right. So a, a lot there. Now – St. Michael's. We'll go back to the Colonel Richardson thing um, because you had interviewed a Colonel and you had said that's you really wanted that job, but now it, it that that is a big time rivalry when it comes to baseball. St. Michael's Colonel Richardson. I don't think there's a bigger rivalry on the store uh, on the shore, maybe even in the state.
2: Yeah, it, it's been that way because we, you know it's it, it. I don't know how many times the region. Championship has come down to, to both of us, but it's been quite a bit, and um, I think it's just developed over the years. Because whoever won that, a lot of times would go across the bridge and uh, move on from there. And um, it's actually been a really good, you know, good rivalry. It's been right. both teams are talented. I think uh, Colonel Richardson makes us better, and I hope we do the same for them.
1: So, keeping with that, and there's in the last, gosh, I guess. There was a time, and I mean, it's the rules still in place, but now it's kind of back and forth as well. There was a time you took a lot of heat from Easton parents for kids that would leave Easton High School and go to St. Michael's to play baseball. Now, that being said, they're not quote unquote going to play baseball, they're going to get an education for whatever reason, smaller schools, what have you. But it wasn't reciprocated at one time where Easton kids could go to St. Michael's. I mean, uh, St. Michael's kids could go to Easton because of numbers. That has since changed a little bit, is my understanding, where now if a kid that's at St. Michael's, he wants to go to Easton because he can play football, what have you, the numbers aren't as bad and they're allowed to do that. And if I'm wrong, please correct me. You're right on it. And you know, But there was a time that you took a lot of heat because a lot of people were making the transition and Easton was struggling with baseball and you guys were thriving.
2: Well, there was a two-year span there, I think, uh, that they did not allow uh, our kids to go to Easton. Um, Currently, we have quite a few that go up there now since it's, you know, that it has changed for other opportunities or, you know, for lacrosse or for girls' soccer or for Mm -hmm. things of that nature. Um, But there was a two-year period where that, you know, that did exist. And, um, the main reason was Easton was at capacity at their school. I think they were mid thirteen hundreds, and we were around two hundred or lower. Mm-hmm. So I think they were trying to get more, encourage kids to come down for whatever reason, so that you know they could try to take a little bit of the population load off their plate. So
1: during that period of time, I mean, like, I took heat because another radio host at the time called you guys the Talbot County All-Stars, and I took heat for that because I was on the air with him, they're like, well, Potter said it. Well, you know, I didn't say it. I may have repeated what he said, but it still gained a lot of... uh, It upset a lot of people, but at the same time, because the good kids were going to St. Michael's, and my response at the time was... To the people that were complaining, listen, if you have a choice to go play baseball for somebody that you, and you want to take the game to the next level and you want to play in college and get further, then why wouldn't you want to go play with somebody like you? Because you've got a lot of contacts out there uh, at the college level and beyond because of the work that you've put in.
2: Well, I mean, I feel fortunate that I, I used to work a lot of college camps, and so I did make a lot of contacts of different people, you know, along the way by doing that. So, you know, they would call me looking for players on the shore a certain kind. So I think that's where I built a relationship. Uh, Old Dominion especially is where I worked at, and there would probably be 20 to 50 college coaches working there as well. So, you know, that made that pretty easy. But one thing that a lot of people forget to mention is, Prior to when we had some talented players come down, we had some players come down before that from Easton uh, four or five years before, and nobody said anything because we weren't winning. Mm -hmm. So I think winning has a lot to do with that. It's like right now we have a ton – I shouldn't say a ton. We have have a pretty fair population of female athletes that come from Easton, but that doesn't ever really seem to get talked about. But, um, you know, they're good athletes and have, have done really well. And for some kids, a smaller school is just a better option, you know.
0: Yeah, Coach, uh, we're sharing a mic here so getting in a couple of questions here let me first ask you, prior to your arrival at St. Michael's, because obviously Harold Baines is the uh, the graduate that everybody knows St. Michael's by although you've had a lot of good players over the years prior to your arrival though, talk to us about St. Michael's baseball, was it successful, um, was it up and down, was it not very good for the longest time, and then what do you attribute most to, outside of the
2: players, But how, what do you attribute most to the success that you've had over the years? Um, prior to when I got there, I know that the year before they had not, I got there, they had not won a game. Um, but before that, I know there were some talented people that come through and I I mean, I can't say enough good things about Denver Leach. He was a mentor for me. I taught with him. I learned a lot, uh, about handing, handling people in general, just from the way Denver could get a lot out of kids and a very, um, you know non-threatening way he just had a you know way about him the kids wanted to please him so um i, I think they had some gears where they were up and down um but for the most part um i think you know the last few years we've certainly got a lot better and we had a span i think we've been in the state finals 10 of the last 20 years so um and the main reason for that success, is, I mean, there's several, but one, our community support is endless. We have a game. We'll have five, 600 people, you know, um, depending who we're playing. If, if I'm having trouble with the fields, i got people from the community that come out and help. I, I can't say enough about the guys that help me coaching. That's... If I had to pick one thing, without a doubt, that's it. Um, just the caliber of people I have from Donnie Gal and Bill Burton and Zach Wallace and you know Eric Royer and Rick Stacy, who has played for me and was at Easton for many years, is now down in St. Michael's, and it's just been another huge addition for us. And um, th- you know that that has put us here over the edge because you guys know that if coached that it's so hard to do it by yourself or with small numbers. And you know, we break up and we have groups of four. So we're allowed, we are, we're able to get a lot more reps and do things like that. Um, that I could on a smaller staff.
1: You know, going back to the rec- the, the players electing to go play at uh, same. I almost said I might as well say you know the, the recruiting aspect of it. You know, as a former coach in the base side at North Carolina in baseball, I think one thing people don't realize is we were talking about your connections and the way you use them for your kids. You also use them for. All the other kids in the Bayside, you know, I mean, there, I can tell you, I mean, I know for a fact uh, you, you helped out um, uh, 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 Kyle Spees, you know, coaches call you sometimes before they call their head coach, you know, to, to check. Hey, what do you think of this kid? Because your opinion is carries weight, Marshall Thompson, when he was recruited by West Virginia. Um, he played for Donnie Gal on Donnie's uh, Travel, the Monarchs, the, the travel baseball team Donnie had at the time. Yeah, and I think a lot of people don't realize the amount of work that you put in, not only for your kids, but for the whole conference.
2: Well, I, I think that's, I, if you're going to go into coaching, I think you're in it to help kids. And that, you know, a lot of times I just ask myself, you know, is this helping kids? If it's helping kids, then that answers most most decisions for me. Um, but a lot of it has to do with the quality of kid. You know, like we played North Dorchester, and they've had they have a couple of kids that I just think have not only they're good, really good players, but they have outstanding character. So, um, you know, I've reached out to a couple of schools for a couple of people like that. So, and I tell our kids all the time, you just never know who's watching. You right. don't know who has the ability to do something like that. So, I, I look at the talent of the kid, but I also look. You know, another example. Washington has a really good player right now, um, left-handed pitcher, could, is a Division One player. And the team around him is not very good, but what he does is he he picks his team up. He, he's a leader. He's a role model. um, You know, it would be easy for him to go the other way, and so I've went out of my way to try to help him a little bit just because of that. And you know, his name's Gavin McIntyre, and just just an uh, you know first first quality young man. So, has
1: the level of baseball on the shore gotten better over the last ten years?
2: Ooh, that's a tough question. I don't know if it's gotten better. Um, I think it, it, it's very cyclical. Travel baseball has been a big in you know, big influence on it. I know the youth leagues and stuff, because I run summer camps a lot, there's not as many kids, not even close. Um, to what they used to be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Easton used to have 10 teams, 10 minor league teams. I think they have three now or right. four. You know, home run Baker, Trap used to have three teams. Home, St. Michael's had two. Tillman had one. I think there's maybe three home run Baker teams.
1: So why, why is that? Why is there such a drop-off with numbers in the Little League compared to lacrosse?
2: Um, I, you know, I, I think a lot of it has to do with coaching. A lot of times when I give clinics um, to coaches, I usually take a lacrosse stick with me. Um, and I talk about certain ways that you want you know you want to develop kids, but if you go back to the old school where one guy hits, fifteen people spread out in the field, you know you're there for an hour and forty five minutes till you get to bat or do something. Um, that's when I bring the lacrosse stick out and I said, this is why. There's no downtime in that sport. People are playing, people are active, so you got to find a way to do the same thing in baseball, especially with the younger age kids. Keep them busy, keep them moving all the time. So,
1: well, you bring up a point. I went to the Nationals game yesterday, um, or on Sunday, um, and sat in the outfield, and it was just so long, you know. And the game started at one thirty-five, you know. It got to four ten, I think, and I'm like, all right, I'm done. And then the Nationals started scoring and it got a little more exciting, and, you know, they played it three runs in the bottom of the eighth, and now you want to stay the rest of the time. But that's so slow when there's no action, whereas if you go to a – I was sitting there thinking, you know, gosh, a football game, something's happening every 30 seconds, you know, whereas a baseball game, you have a pitch every 25 seconds. correct? You know, but there's just if, – if that ball's not hit, what else is happening? and and i think the game the baseball needs to find a way to quicken the pace a little bit in my opinion but then you have the traditionalists that oh don't touch the game don't touch the game
2: um i i totally agree i think um and again, that's why we, we try to we bun a lot. We you know, we run pick all plays. We we try to do things to keep our kids' interest level up and, and to keep things moving. And the same thing in practice by having multiple coaches at any level. You can keep keep kids moving around. But I, t- I totally agree. My wife says to me all the time, I I just can't watch a baseball game. I'll go watch the Steelers play who she loves to death. Um but she you know, it's just it just, just it's just a lot longer and slower paced game. Yeah.
1: Whereas college games I think even little league's quicker than than the Major League game I think but you know Mike it's it's Monday is opening day for the Orioles as well as we're recording this and I mean you know it just baseball can be boring sometimes
0: well and they are working on that next year with getting rid of the shift with the pitch I thought clock that was happening and, this year nah, next year and they've got well they've got a committee and then they've got 45 days to to be able to enact it in but they're doing those kinds of things but uh, coach i wanted to ask when you just mentioned about the travel teams in the little league because mark and i have talked about this before so is it coming down to the fact that those players that are good and committed that's why the travel teams are doing well but you're finding that it's pretty much at all or nothing that if a kid um, maybe likes baseball but isn't that good he's just not going to put the time into it even you know even for fun that it's just uh no that's okay i like i may even like baseball if i'm not good i just i'm not even going to try and play rec ball
1: and and before you answer that i want to tag on to that do uh, is there a problem with travel ball with parents that aren't happy with their kids playing so they create another team and now you got watered down travel ball
2: well, to answer yours first, Mark, that certainly happens, and that's referred to as Daddy Ball, right. <laughs> uh, where one buddy, you know, somebody they can't play on this team. Much like the portal, you know, they start a <laughs> another, another team, and then they go from there. Um, but but I think what happens is that that is it. The, the, a lot of times, there's kids that are not sure if they want to play or not. That would play, and all of a sudden, develop skills and be good at it. Those kids are getting left out. Uh, because if they're not into it, uh, they're not paying $1,000 to play all summer. Um, And that's another problem, because now that makes a coach obligated to feel they've got to play this person X number of times because they've paid the money. So there's a lot of variables that go into it. Um, I tell people all the time before you get involved in travel, I'll make sure you, you know who's coaching the team because I think that's the biggest factor. Who's coaching them, who, right. who's running so that everything goes alright.
1: Well, when you're looking at travel ball teams and what have you, um, there's some travel ball teams that get together and, and not knock in Fruitland, but Fruitland will have a baseball tournament every single weekend. But is it important who's going to these travel ball tournaments? Do you want to play tougher competition? So maybe your kids are getting exposed a little bit more?
2: I I think it is. Uh we just we matter of fact we've been talking about this, that this week. Um to make yourself a better player, the better competition you play, the better pitching you see, um, those kind of things certainly uh makes a huge difference. Um, you know, just to play on a team to play travel ball, to go out and play games, uh, you're not gonna be benefiting as much as you would Uh, to to play higher levels i know we try to schedule calvert halls uh, um riverdale baptist when they were good like we're going to a mount st joe tournament we try to play higher level talent when we can and you know that as much as the base side allows us and again we hardly ever win but it just makes us it makes us better um we find out where we're weak they exploit all your weaknesses um you know, and every now and then we'll get lucky and beat one of them. But for the most part, that's the main reason we do it. Now we come back in the Bayside and get ready for the state tournament. We don't face anybody near that caliber. Right. So it's, it, it's, you know, it's the same principle behind your travel ball.
1: We're talking with Coach Brian Femi from St. Michael's High School. We'll continue this conversation with him on Time with Shore Sports, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Hanging out with Bob Pino at an optical galleria spring and summer just around the corner, and we can start thinking sunshine, Bob. Sunshine with the new transition polarized lens. Not only does this lens go from light to dark, but it also gets polarized, so it cuts the glare very well when you're outdoors. The nice thing about an optical galleria, you stop by one of their three locations. You take care of the personal service, the lenses, the frames, everything right there at an optical galleria. The lenses are cut in our lab right here in Centerville and in Ocean City. We sit down with you, talk to you, what type of work you do, do you do a lot of driving, personal services, what we've based our reputation on. And don't forget to check out while you're at an optical gallery of the Hook Optics, this new sunglass line that is absolutely amazing. If you have questions, you can pick up the phone and call Bob at 443-262-9415 or always online at eisenart.net. This portion of the time out with Shore Sports presented by the Preston Automotive Group is sponsored by College Placement Consulting. Providing invaluable college planning and high school guidance from sophomore through senior year. Let the dedicated professionals at College Placement Consulting help your child prepare for college. Go online to schedule a no-obligation appointment now at collegeplacementconsulting.com. Mark Potter, Mike Bradley, and the coach, Brian Femi.
0: Yeah, two things I wanted to bring up, Mark, You. Talk- talked about the pace of play with baseball and the challenges, Coach, that uh, the game has, especially at the major league level, uh, but also at the lower levels because, you know, without the younger kids, you know, you're not going to continue to have uh, the numbers. It, to me, thinking back when I played rec baseball, unfortunately, I wasn't good enough to play high school baseball. But I'm thinking that, you know, really it's as much a mental game as a physical game because, Mark talks about, okay, there's a pitch every 25 seconds. As a player, though, I remember my rec coaches who were outstanding that I had Okay, Mike, think about the situation. What happens here? What happens if this happens? What happens if this happens? So as a player, it's mental. As a fan... You really got to know the game and appreciate that aspect because, okay, there may not be action, but are you looking around? Are you seeing how they're playing a guy and what happens? You kind of have to play the mental game in addition to appreciating, I think, the action on the field, whether it's a hit, it's a catch, etc.
2: I really, I really can't believe that you brought this up because our coaches talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, like, our kids don't even watch a baseball game. I know Frank Szymanski tells his kids, gosh, there's a thing on this week. It's called the World Series. <laughs> you know, and he goes into—because the kids just don't watch it and, and appreciate the inner part of the game. But we we put so much— um, ask so much of our kids things to do mentally. A lot of it's on their own. A lot of they put, put on their own picks. They put on their own things that they see. And um, we'll get travel players that are playing on the elitist team that that they can find. But they don't know how to line up a cutoff man. Uh, they don't know how to take a lead. They don't know how to get a steel jump on a lefty. There's so much... And, again, these guys are playing the highest level of ball. A lot of them are potential draft picks. A lot of them are potential Division One kids. And it just amazes me that this isn't taught. But then, again, when I watch, if their shortstop isn't performing well, they go get another shortstop. They just get get a better one. Um, so I see that done a lot, and the game is not taught as a whole. I mean, mm-hmm. there are exceptions to the rule. I mean, I'll go back to Colonel Richardson. Ray Bennett has done so much for yeah. – Colonel Richardson baseball and for for baseball in general that he, it's so obvious that he teaches all that stuff. So teams that he pe- kids that I've had play for him you know they're, they're actually learning something. Where you know a lot of these teams that they play on these travel teams they just don't learn what they need to do. So I'm glad you mentioned that.
1: And, and those things should be taught at, in rec ball. I mean they, it really should. I mean I was ha- taught all that. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: I, I mean Mark I, I you know had this talk the other day on, on my morning show down at the beach. I remember with opening day last Friday was talking about rec wreck memories and I remember being out in the cold in late March or early April before the season started and I had excellent coaches. We went over the rundown time and time mm-hmm. again and right, lining up the cutoffs and all those things. We got that drilled and maybe I was just fortunate that I had some really good coaches. I don't know about the rest of the, the league but I played on some good teams and presumably because we had some good coaching too and some pretty good players but I remember getting all that drilled in and you know, we were prepared we were ready to go.
1: It's funny you bring that up about the repetition and what have you. When when you play against a Coach Brian Femi coach team, you got to prepare. You you got to know how to field the punt. You got to make sure you do that. Have have the coverage because if your third baseman leaves and your shortstop is lazy, when that guy runs from first to second, he's going to third because nobody's there to cover. <laughs> it you, you got to see the ball. They're going to try and pick you off at second base, and then you're going to see kids diving all over the place, acting like the ball's in center field. That ball's not in center field. It's right there in the pitcher's hand. So when you take off, that guy at second goes to steal third. They just throw him out easily. And, you know, these are the things that coaches have to work on. And it comes down to fundamentals, and I think that's a good question. You see teams out there across the whole shore and across the whole state we don't just need to talk about the eastern shore the whole state of maryland you know how many coaches you only you get two hours a day that's what you're allowed to have by the state coaching wise but you can only pound so much into these kids as a coach in maryland
2: your first week of practice involves what well it would involve tryouts for most people we i've never cut we just haven't had enough kids out that we've had to cut. So a lot of people have two or three days. They've got to go through the trial period, so it's hard to do that. Um, so we still use that time to evaluate. So we'll we'll do just your basic stuff with hitting ground balls, mm-hmm. uh, fly balls. You can catch them, those things. But we try to put the mental part of the game in. As much as possible and it's funny you said talking about rundowns I mean we practice rundowns at least three times a week we're in a rundown uh, against North Dorchester last week, and of course we botched it. we hit him in a helmet and but you know I said it infuriates you as a coach because it's something that we do quite frequently and with when you know when you mentioned about Rec ball. I totally agree. When I when I played I was taught a lot of this stuff. I don't think it's taught now and all you gotta do is Google it. You get on all you gotta do now and get online and put rundown drills and you'll have rundown drills till you, you know, come home. Um the key is finding what you do the most. And that's what you have to do the most in practice. So what's going to happen in a typical game? The other stuff, you do a little bit, touch on it, but, um, you know, like Mark said, bunt defense, uh, bunting, um, you know, advance, right side advance, all that kind of stuff. We try to do it, incorporate it every day. And if you can incorporate it at game speed, it's also important. If you just get through it and do it, but there's no pressure involved or there's no speed involved in it um, – that's what makes a difference cuz it's the guys that are successful can slow the game down so
0: coach I'm curious we've seen in football over the years and now even on the shore although it took some time to catch up with football for instance stylistically we've seen on offense the spread offense become much more prominent in basketball uh, also more of a spread mentality a four out one in but we've seen the three point shot become very prevalent in basketball at all three levels I'm curious in baseball whether it be in general but also specifically to the shore have you seen stylistically things change or had they pretty much much stayed the same? And also, what about St. Michael's and and what you've done over the years? Is it pretty much the same, or have you changed the style uh, that gets presented to your opponents?
2: I don't want to say we've changed it. Uh, We might have refined it or got better at it. I'm going to give credit to Frostburg State, because this is all the stuff we do was done through a guy named Bob Wells there. My brother and him were good buddies, and and so I got it in high school, um, and we've developed that. But the, the, the basic premise is... We want to put pressure on the other team. They've got to think under pressure. So whether it be bunting, whether it be stealing bases, whether it be, um, you know, whatever the case with the pickoffs, whatever the case may be, we want people to perform under pressure because um, it's easy to do when you're relaxed. So, that you know, but do I see people do that against us? I don't. Hmm. I don't. I don't see it much. Um,
1: well, I can think back to a time. I think it was my first or second year coach, and it had to be my second year because we only got – What I think uh, one win in in year number one, by the way, second year, I I remember. Yeah, North Carolina. We, we actually beat St. Michael's on a suicide squeeze. You butt. Did. You did. I, it was Richie
2: Blosser, I believe. Yeah. if I'm correct on yeah. that. It's amazing how you remember. My wife. <laughs> yeah, said, I my was, was getting wife, ready to say
0: that was impactful. And my, my wife says tires <laughs> in the partner.
2: My wife. My wife says you can uh, you can remember that stuff, but you can't remember to take the trash out. Yeah. You know, so it's amazing how that works. No. Well, uh, Things that are important to you. But you're right. There are people that do it. But I I'm going to say there's not people that do it on a routine sure. basis, or maybe they don't practice, it. maybe you have a player that that. that they Can do it. Um, we just don't see it as much now. When we played, again, I'm gonna go back to Riverdale Baptist. They had some uh, number one ranked teams in the country. Right. You know, all of a sudden we're playing them. The three hitter, he's bunting for a hit. Well, yeah. what the heck? They're, they're 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 a guy on second. You know, a lot of people will delay steal a second. They're delay stealing to the third. They're mm. doing things. I learned so much from playing them. Right. And the bottom line was they put so much pressure on us. Um, and then we 'll play at mount saint Joe 's, who just because they got so much talent, they just sit back and they 'll actually laugh at us when we bunk you know they, yeah. you know they 're going to play for a three run homer and they 're probably going to get it um, but' it 's amazing how you know all that 's changed. Um, Calvert Hall has always been very very top level um, now brooks Kerr who 's there as the head coach now was a Frostburg state grad so he he has that knowledge uh, mm-hmm. too of you know some of the stuff that we 've had that he 's been able to incorporate a little bit but um I know when we play those MIAA teams, it's just it's night and day. A lot of people say, well, you know, I, the big short teams are good. And if we got our number one pitcher out, we'll compete with most of them. And like, like most of the teams on the shore will. But they're going to run out five of those guys. That's right. the big difference.
1: Well, and I only brought that up about the, the suicide squeeze things because when I – first started coaching baseball I, I took over a program that didn't have a coach unless shiree was the coach and uh, he didn't come back that year and uh, it, it was not a good ending for the way that that previous year uh ended and i took over for the 08 season and, and i was there for a few years and we developed a you know pretty good year and you know over the years so much so that when henry ward took over the reins i said hey you're getting a state championship team. Don't screw it up. That's exactly what I told him, and he didn't screw it up. He went out, and, you know, and, and took the team to the state championship and won the game with the likes of, of Richie Blosser and and others. But you you look up to other coaches and you're constantly learning, whereas people like myself that coached against you also. Started learning things. I was fortunate enough, and did, I had assistant John Griffith, you know, help me. Um, Wayne Williams. You know, help me uh, at uh, North Carolina, my second stint there. Um, you know, and then when I was at St. Peter Paul for four years, I had uh, uh, George Paul, who was the uh, with the Eastern Police Department. And he he wasn't a guy that was going to be a baseball guy, but he came to be a be a help. And just having somebody that can hit fly balls is a huge help. And then I had Marshall Thompson as as my assistant, and so learning the game is so important as a coach because you never stop learning you always see things another time around and i know in football the games are recorded a lot you have a photographic memory i'm assuming so you don't really record your games do you
2: we don't record them there are times that we do i'll record hitters Mm -hmm. and i'll record pitchers, and we'll break it down that way but from a game standpoint um I, I got to give to a, a lot of credit like I I when I coached with Doug Fleetwood the practice was his his organizational skills are second to none mm-hmm. so I tried to take the football practice and I took our baseball practice and mimicked that. So we have an offensive breakdown and we go to offensive team. We do a defensive breakdown, we go to defensive team. And then if we, sometimes we'll do scrimmages or do different types of team activities at the end. But I tried to take that and incorporate it because I saw how effective it was. Um, so that's, you know, paid big dividends for us, too, I think.
1: I left out one guy, too, that coached with Mike Butler. Oh, uh, they, you know, from, sure. I call him Denton Mike Butler. Right. Uh, you know, and uh, he did a lot of pitching lessons and stuff, but, um, you know, it just, you never stop learning. And, and I think you're right. I think it boils down to organizational skills. As a coach, you've always got to plan. And I don't think parents realize, or kids maybe, the the amount of time, no matter what sport you're coaching, if you're having an organized practice, they don't realize how much time goes into just planning
2: practice. Well, uh, for example, uh, I mean, I'm going to go on that a little bit, Don, because I... I we played very poorly. I'm, I'm going to say the poorest I've ever had a team play in the last 10 years against North Dorchester. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the reason was they got a lot of good young talent and did some things that caused us to play that way. But I try to take everything that we did poorly— and incorporate that in some capacity into the next practice so that we can try to improve on those areas. Well, I didn't have enough time today to get all of that in, because, I mean, we made blunder after blunder, but we try to take that, and that goes into your next practice so that, you know, hopefully you'll learn from it. And I, you know, I always tell them, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, but we've got to cover this because we didn't do it well. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, from a from a planning perspective, we do, I do a lot of that, so... Um, I, you know, I think I think you're right on the spot with that.
0: And, Coach, uh, you referenced, of course, uh, with Calvert Hall where I went to school and Joe Bender was the manager when I was there. And, I, I yeah, snooky, I, I wasn't good enough, like I said, unfortunately, fortunate to play in the program, play football and basketball. But, you know, Coach uh, just actually – Coach Ekrel's still there. It's his last year. And, right, Brooks, though, is, has run a lot of things. And Coach Ekrel just passed him with the all-time wins yeah. at the Hall. But speaking about your practices, though, and, and learning from Coach Fleetwood, I remember as a manager my junior and senior year for the team, though – that Coach Bender always had guys doing things, and you're right. He would be running infield drills, but you know pitchers would be you know throwing batting practice maybe across the way, and if guys weren't doing either of those or hitting in the cage or whatever he'd just have him run you know but there's always been something that's going on that guys wouldn't be standing around to your point but a lot of i remember a lot of situational stuff that it, that he did but you know to your point i think yeah having guys and keeping them engaged th- look that hasn't changed in in all the years with teenagers you got to keep them engaged and keep them active and and wanting to uh you know come to practice and and look forward
2: to it, at least to some extent yeah, I, I mean, agree. Practice has got to be fun. You got, it, you know, there's got to be some things in there that you look forward to. And you, you might not look forward to everything, but I at can least it <laughs> keeps you out Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you're it, not standing around. It keeps you busy, and they're doing something. And most parents would rather have their kids at a practice. Um, I, one thing I did forget when I first started coaching baseball, I wanted to figure out. What do programs that are successful do? And Mark kind of hit on that a little bit. And uh, I called Bernie Walters Mm. at the time and um, Harry Lentz, who was at Northeast, and Mel Bacon, who was at Cecil Northeast. They were the most successful coaches in the state. So I'd go meet with them, and I said, what do you guys do that separates you from everybody else? So what I did was took all the commonalities, and there were a lot, that those guys – Things that they did and tried to incorporate those into our baseball practice, and you know, if it wouldn't have been for those guys, I, a lot of the stuff we do, we wouldn't be doing today. So
1: we'll continue well. this conversation with Coach Brian Femi coming up. Timeout with Shore Sports, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. If someone you know is exhibiting signs of depression or withdrawal, take time to connect. Ask, "Are you okay?" Listen closely and without judgment. Share mental health resources. For All Seasons Behavioral Health and Rape Crisis Center is here for anyone struggling with a mental health challenge. Visit forallseasonsinc.org. That's forallseasonsinc.org. It's okay to ask for help. For All Seasons is here for you.
0: The time out with Shore Sports Podcast is brought to you by Pret Moy Therapy Associates located at 460 Main Street in Stevensville. Let Rick, Pret and the staff get you back to feeling new again accepting most insurance policies. So step away from the pain by calling Pret Moy Therapy Associates at 410-604-2982.
1: Continuing the conversation with Coach Femi from St. Michael's High School and uh, boy this, is, this has been great and Coach we really appreciate you uh, taking your time after practice today to come spend a little bit of time with us and and let us dive into it a, a little bit um before we start talking about st michael's high school i want to talk about your family your wife kim you mentioned uh, you know her and uh you guys have been married how long
2: this will be our 40th year this summer
1: wow so four years this summer and man i I'll be married to my wife for twenty th- later this month, and I is thought that, right? that was a miracle. So <laughs> I'm not sure she's going to let well, me live she's, to see she's forty. Been five times over. <laughs> yeah, but forty—that is awesome. You know, we talk, and as a matter of fact, when we talked with uh, uh James McCormick and Colin Joseph and, and Jody Ward, they talked about their wives, and you know, to—I remember with my wife, she'd go watch. The games, and I, it got to a point where I made sure that I put, you know, I got her a shirt that said coach's wife so that they <laughs> knew sitting behind her. Oh, I don't want to complain too much because you never make everybody happy, and sometimes you can't make anybody happy. But yeah, it takes a special person to be a coach's wife.
2: Oh, I, I just can't say enough good, good things about my wife for the stuff she does and the amount of time she put up when my kids were little, you know, the time you're away from home um, coaching and um, you, you are correct. She normally sits down the very end of the fence um, away from the fans. I've never asked her why, but I feel pretty confident with yeah, you, know, you said. That,
1: that's where the birds are in the yeah. trees. <laughs> <That's> and,
0: <right. laughs> yeah. It's a little quieter. Yeah, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. you know, so, uh, but, she, you know, she supports me in everything we do and, um you know, both of our daughters were athletes, so, uh, you know, it It, it, it was, a, a, you know, ha- having her around during all those years, um, I, I don't think we would have had near the success without her.
0: Coach, where did you guys meet?
2: We met in high school. We were high school that's sweethearts. Right, okay, that's right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, I was 21 when I was married, and uh, got married as soon as I graduated, and uh, we moved to Easton together, and she's a dental hygienist, so... Uh, you know, we've had a good life.
0: Now you mentioned she's a Steelers fan, so uh, it, it helps that. I mean, yeah, I'm, as a Ravens fan, God bless her. But uh, but it, she's a sports fan, though. I take it, so that has to help yeah. a lot, right? Well, I mean, football,
2: yeah, but baseball again because the game's so slow. Yeah. Uh, she reached for the Orioles, but uh, that's that's hard to do right now. Yeah, and me being a Cowboy fan, that even makes oh, it even Jesus, tougher. I forgot so about that. We all we keep saying we're going to go to Dallas when Pittsburgh and Dallas play the next time, or okay, yeah. or or go to Heinz Field, one of the two. So sure. sure. Uh, um, you know, uh, but yeah, she, she's a diehard Steeler fan and, uh, good for her. Yeah. So you mentioned your daughters,
1: Allison and Taylor, mm-hmm. uh, both of them were athletes, both played softball. Um, did any of them pick up the coaching? I think Allie picked up coaching. Allie's done a little
2: bit of coaching. She, um, coached field hockey. Uh, she played at Easton, but she coached field hockey at St. Michael's, uh, with, with Missy Cannon for a little bit. Mm-hmm. um. She volunteers with some, she's done some youth stuff. Uh, so and now in her role, she's a vice principal at Eastern Middle. So it, it's really that, you know, she, there's no way she can get out and do anything I think that she'd like to. But with her daughters coming up, I can see her getting back to them with them in youth sports, et cetera.
1: You bring up youth sports. Uh, let's talk about that. Um, your summer, many, many, many summer afternoons are spent at Northeastern Park or, or down at Perry Cabin Fields or wherever watching youth baseball. Why is that?
2: Well, you know, it's as simple as this. Like, I was riding home the other day, and I saw kids out in the yard playing. Playing baseball, which you don 't see very much anymore, right. I just had to stop the car and pull over. I hope you didn 't think I was a stock or anything, but just <laughs> I, it, it was just neat to see kids out in the yard playing baseball. Um, you know I just enjoy it, uh, and also it gives me ideas and things. I run a lot of summer camps, so while watching these, I can see areas that maybe we want to focus on in our summer camps when we do it and um, I just enjoy watching the game played. And I've, a lot of the guys that I've coached are now coaching. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of neat to go see. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them are doing travel teams. Uh, they'll ask for advice from time to time. And, um, you know, some of them will come out to our field, use our field. Uh, so that's, that's really neat seeing how they're passing the game on um, that we taught them.
1: What What is it that you like most about coaching?
2: Whew. Um, I just like to see kids be successful. Um, and it doesn't matter, I guess, whatever realm it is. But for me, because I have a coaching background, I like—I feel like I'm giving back. So I like to do everything I can to help them get better. And the big thing we try to stress to our kids, yeah, it's wonderful to win a baseball game. It's great to win a baseball game. Um, but... We want them to be good citizens. We want them to be good role models. We want them to be good husbands. Uh, we really push that envelope with them. Um, so, like we we lost uh, a really tough game to Snow Hill last last week. Uh, you know, we had an error, and two of our seniors called a player up and said, "Please don't worry about it. Everybody, we all make mistakes. That's going to happen to us. Could happen to anybody." And to me, that was m- more valuable than winning that game. Mm-hmm. You know, as crazy as it sounds, that's, you know, when when they're doing those kind of things, we're doing something right. And so is their family. But I think we're pointing them in the right direction.
1: Do you have a most memorable moment, moment in your coaching days? I mean, all the way back to the beginning.
2: Hmm. I don't think I've ever been asked that before. Wow. So really? probably the most memorable was when I coached, uh, rec league softball in the summer um and my oldest daughter's team won the state championship and they went to the east regionals and they were two games away from going to the league world series so i would say that whole summer and that whole run with that group of girls who all the girls we had turned out very successful um but just being able to coach them in the summer, I think, and being able to coach my daughters, I would have to say they're the most.
1: This coming from a guy that has won five state championships. I, I thought that was
0: going to be his answer, first state yeah. title. Yeah.
1: That that is that's awesome, and it, and it speaks highly of what kind of person you are, as well. I think because it's it's family first. You've you've coached a lot of great kids at St. Michael's high school. Some have moved on uh, to go pitch in the major leagues, you know, maybe not. Yeah. I don't know of any that made a, you know, number one roster, you know, for, uh, you know, say pitching with the Orioles or, or the Yankees and, you know, that kind of thing. But they were in their farm teams, which is still a major accomplishment. Yeah. Adam parks comes to mind. Now, you know, you've had some really good players come through the program.
2: Well, I was blessed I coached Troy uh Brohan in Cambridge. Um mm-hmm. and who, he did make the he Yeah, he was four, he was 4 years in the majors. Um and and has done unbelievable at Salisbury, won a national mm-hmm. championship. Um but I, and I I also have done a lot of summer coaching. I I've had Team Maryland. We've had numerous guys off that team that have made it to the majors from, mm-hmm. like, Dave Johnson's son. We've had a couple of Mount St. Joe's guys that are flirting with it now. Um, Clevenger, who played in the major leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it's kind of neat because, like, uh, we had a boy Adam Kolarik, who pitched with the Dodgers. Um on the on the last World Series team to be able to reach out to him and congratulate him and see how these guys and and how hard it is for those guys to make it. Right. Like people don't see what what they go through um, to get to that level and it, it's been kind of neat to see a lot of those guys on the on the run and as well as Adam and uh, you know those guys that we've had McKelvey. that uh, made it McKelvey who ended up and both of those guys ended up with injuries uh, or, or without a doubt no no question in my mind. Both of those guys could have could have made it. Jordan Gow could have made it he just didn't get a break like right. he just didn't It's amazing how some guys are good and it, it always behooves me when I look at these people get drafted and some of these kids i've seen they'll draft and then i then I'll look at others that I've seen play that don't get drafted. I think baseball's the hardest to predict, yeah uh because there's been so many number ones and top round picks that never make it, you know.
1: Do you, do, what what is attributed to that? Is it you know Ooh. just contacts or? Uh,
2: well, maybe probably. I, I think now with sabermetrics, I don't know how that's going to play out, but that maybe gives them a little bit more of a database or a predictor.
1: For those that don't under, don't understand what sabermetrics are, what is that?
2: Sabermetrics are measurements that um predict the outcome of a player based on several measurements. Like if I was gonna use pitchers right now, they use spin rate. Mm-hmm. Spin rate is huge. Um like the boy that's pitching for me right now has one of the highest spin rates they said that they've recorded for a kid his sure age. Sure would uh, Jacob Seek. Jacob Seek. And um, you know, so it, it's crazy how that you know they can predict those things based on that. But then if you look at Sabermetrics, probably a guy like Jose Altuve would never have got a shot. Mhm. You know, so I think there's some guys, there's no measurement for somebody's heart and desire. There's no, They don't have a measurement for that. And I, I think that could be overlooked in the process, but um, I don't know whether that'll help them or not. It just seems like baseball, like I know the Orioles passed on Jeter, and they, I can't remember who they drafted, but I know he never made it out of A-ball, right. you know. So <laughs> you, you look at some of the people and you wonder, and you know it's financial sometimes, but— um, it just it, I'm just curious. You know, we'll look at each other and say, "Why did such and such offer them a scholarship? Mm-hmm. We've got this guy here or that guy over there that plays for North Carolina. Why? You, know, you just wonder how that happens, but right, right. everybody has their own things they're looking for, I guess.
0: Yeah, I was, I was just going to say I, I was thinking about this. I mean, now everybody seems to be going the analytic route, and my question is: at the time when Oakland really kicked off with uh, with Billy Beam with all that, it was unique. But now it's not unique anymore. So I'm just curious: Do you see the pendulum swinging where teams are going to maybe get away from that to some extent, or not use it as much, or is it here to stay full force for all 30 teams in the MLB and and you know through college and high school to an extent as well? I, I definitely
2: think it's here um, and. and... I, I think it benefits small market teams because it allows them to get some people maybe of a, of a, of a lesser value that maybe would slip through the cracks before. But um, last night I was listening to A. Rod in the uh, Orioles, I mean in the Red Sox Yankee game, and they were talking about Buck Showwart getting hired, and he said. You can't put a price on a man like that. He said he's a builder of franchise. He said, not many people realize. He said, in my honest opinion, he said he built the Yankee franchise of all of our championships. People don't realize he left the year before this all happened. He did the same thing in Arizona. He built them up to that. He left that year. Brenly comes in, gets the. He said, so he said you, you the with his knowledge you know you you can't question it and i heard and he's a, not an analytics guy. no he's not mm-hmm. and i heard well, he he measures the last two weeks which i do like he doesn't go back and and ironically earl weaver did that in the 1970s he, he did he took two weeks and that's what he based it on not their whole year stats um but i heard joe tory one time say you know what is don zimmer's value to you as a bench coach and he said Donald look at me and tell me to steal. And he said, well, what's that based on? And he said, doesn't matter. Fifty years of baseball. This guy has seen so many situations. He has an innate sense that he knows it's going to work. And um, so I think that factor, you got to watch that that doesn't totally lead the game.
1: Talk with Coach Brian Femi, St. Michael's High School, and he is also the athletic director there. Uh, this has been a- an amazing conversation about Uh, Baseball, the game, uh, baseball at St. Michael's. Um, But let's take off the coaching hat. Let's go to athletic director. Um, The kids, we already know St. Michael's is a small school. You struggle to field a basketball team for boys and girls. You you can't field a girls soccer team. It's only boys. You have baseball. You have softball, and you have tennis in, in the the spring. So it's based on numbers, and let's face it, nowadays not a lot of kids want to play a sport. They're more interested in other things, but let's start with your basketball team. This boys' basketball team has been, they've been showing up for practice, whether you had six kids or 13 kids. They show up for practice, they continue to play, they continue to lose. Just constantly losing, and they go into the season not expecting to lose, but probably realizing that they don't have the talent to compete. Now, you have a uh, a Coach Murphy picked up the team. He's been there for a couple years, and he added a, a Boo Ricks, I think it was this year, right? And they pulled off their first win in over 10 years this year when they beat Mardella. Talk about the kids, not only the ones that pulled the win off this year, but all the kids that led up to this moment over the last ten years, because I don't ever recall you having to cancel the season, you know, with three weeks to go or saying I'm not gonna go in the playoffs
2: because we just don't want to play anymore. Um resiliency is the only thing I can say. I you know, and my concern has always been I don't want the kids to be affected mentally from just Mm -hmm. getting beat down. Mm -hmm. Um, And and, and for the most part, the entire Bayside is wonderful. You being one of them, um, when you coached, you guys didn't run the score up once. You knew it it could have easily been done. You didn't press us the whole game. There are some rare exceptions of teams that did. But for the most part, everybody was good and, you know... Kept it to where the kids didn't feel bad about themselves. But that was my fear. So I would always go to practice or I'd sit and talk to them. Or if I teach a couple of the girls in class, you know, after they just got beat by Mardella and and Mardella's heyday, 99 to 3, (laughs) to see if they were affected by it. And um, they weren't. They're happy to be a part of a team.
1: Well, I think, you know, I think um, back in my my first in North Carolina, when I was coaching the girls and uh, you had uh, Coach Barth. Mm-hmm. at uh, at St. Michael's coaching the girls team there and to me coaching against them they had a goal and i think one of their goals going into each game at least against me was to get me pissed off and call a timeout on my girls because every time i cuz it never it never failed they always got out on top of us they always did and i think it it because sometimes I think girls or boys overlook their opponent and they got on top of us all the time. And as a coach, you know, you're expecting to play better and you have to call a timeout. And I remember every time I call a timeout, that bench would erupt, the coach would erupt, the players on the the court would erupt. And it's part of having fun. It's part of creating smaller goals
2: to achieve a bigger goal. I, I think that you, you just hit the nail on the head, and and like I, I stayed and talked with their coaches because they get upset. You know they want to do better, um, and I said you've got to you've got to win a quarter, win right. one quarter. Mm-hmm. That's all you know. Things of that nature where you cut the goals down, and then those goals can become bigger goals as as you you know succeed. They did a lot of that this year. Um, and I know Boo Ricketts was a huge help because, you know, he was a younger guy. You got to keep young coaches on your mm-hmm. staff. And um, that was a big help. Our girls played so hard this year. And, I, and this, is no, this is no joke. I, I, I told our coach, um, you know, and she was new this year. And her name was Emma Brown. She played uh, basketball in high school, but she was a lacrosse goalie, or uh, I believe she was a goalie at St. Mary's. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, I think your girls play harder than any team in this school, male or female, and I still believe that. Like uh, they played with seven girls with like a reckless abandon, Mm -hmm. and there were a couple times they finished with four because people fouled out. But uh, you know.
1: You know, I (laughs) I, I sat and watched them play against Colonel Richardson uh, at Colonel. And, you know, this was my first year of not coaching girls basketball when there was. And, you know, last year didn't bother me because there was no games. But this year, this year, (laughs) this year it killed me. I, I, You know, I was going around with ShoresportsMD.com and, you know, I went to uh, Ken Island's, you know, second day of tryouts and watching him and him going back to the beginning and where – teaching fundamentals, that's the fun part of the game, and I absolutely, it hit me hard, and I was like, you know, missing it. And I've already said, Mike. Mike'll yeah. tell you. Yeah, you know, I'm looking to get back in a, as a coach.
0: He's the Brett Favre for yeah, the yeah. base side. <laughs> uh, he really is. <laughs>
1: I I am looking to get back into girls basketball. Yeah. and and I put it out. Yeah. You know, so if you hear of a program that's hiring a girls basketball coach, I, I've got myself in and also my my assistant Mike Belasco. He he's like, oh, let's go, let's get back uh, in. I mean, I even told the athletic director uh, Pat Tracy, At St. Peter Paul I told him as I was leaving a game one day I said listen if anything tragically happens To Coach Murphy Just so you know Call me. I want the job. You know, but she's going to be there for at least four more years or three years anyway.
0: (laughs) Uh Well, coach, to that end, I'm I'm curious because we, we, not to beat a dead horse, we we've talked about over the time about how much sacrifice and commitment it takes as as a coach, and then on the family as well. And you talked about your wife and the support and all that. I'm curious: is it as an AD, is it any tougher today to recruit coaches, and especially as you talk about a smaller school, knowing That there are bigger challenges, um, you know, with the small population compared to competing against some of the bigger schools. Is it tougher to recruit coaches today for the sports, or is it just as tough today as it was when you took
2: over as AD? Um, we've always had difficulty at St. Michael's, but we were able to fill them. It's so much tougher now. Again, that's just a fantastic question because it's. Um, I think teaching's tougher to get teachers. It's tough, um, and again, I think the COVID the whole thing. Kids are a little bit different. Um, and, and without a doubt, I've in the past five years we've had one interview for a coaching position because that no, we've no had no multiple applicants. Right. And in Talbot County, you only have a job for one year. Anybody mm-hmm. can apply for your position. So, uh, I mean, that that speaks right there that it's so hard to get anybody, and the time that's involved, especially in winter sports, because you got Christmas over, you got Thanksgiving, it just drags. It seems like forever. It's the longest season, and you got cold flu stuff going. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's 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 the toughest one to coach. There's I mean,
0: postponements. Oh. Yeah.
2: It's by far the toughest. You know, to get people to do it. So, with, without a doubt, it's it's people aren't applying as much anymore. So, Mark, I think you're gonna be all right. I think you're gonna find something somewhere. <laughs> well, I hope so, because
1: there's none open yet. But you know, but I, I only brought that up. I brought that because watching those girls play, I was sitting there saying oh, man, if you could teach these girls to do this, this, and this, this is the perfect... And I'm like, yeah, I would tell the person that was sitting next to me, one of the colonel curl, curl parents said... Man, I wish I was coaching that team because those girls played they play hard. so hard. Yeah. I mean, that's what you want your kids to do: give everything on the court and
2: leave exhausted. And it was like you couldn't ask for more. Ball is on the floor. There's three of them diving yeah. at it. I mean, it's just I, honestly, I've never seen anything like it. And I teach a lot of them, and they're they're the same way in PE class. They're just that's that's their nature. Yeah. you know, they got one gear. And uh, I just love watching them play.
1: And if Emma comes back, I think she's going to, you know, she'll just continue to learn as well. And I I think, it, you know, she'll continue to learn because, you know, it's one of those things that you just she probably like anybody else that starts coaching, immersing herself, you know, in more about basketball fundamentals because she wasn't a basketball girl. You know, she, she, I think she
2: played on a really good high school basketball program yeah. in Jersey, because I'd go watch practice. She runs a fantastic practice. That's awesome. Keeps them busy, keeps them moving. Again, only six or seven girls, but um, I, I think she has a lot of a lot of upside. Yeah, so.
0: ab- absolutely. I agree with you. Coach, you talked about coming from Western Maryland and you talked about with the baseball program having the outstanding community support. It seems to me that you've kind of taken the the Western Maryland football, Fort Hill Allegheny from football and all the support they get, and you've got that in the form of the baseball program at St. Michael's. I mean, Is that assessment accurate? And, and do you feel that kind of uh, your home roots here on the shore with that support for your baseball program?
2: Honestly, I've never thought about it, but I'd have to say it's very accurate, very accurate what's happened. I know it's funny. My brother-in-law came down when I was coaching football, and he said, well, I've got to get my tickets early. I said, no, we're playing the Queen Anne. You're going to be fine. And he said, well, no, I want to get a good seat. I said, you'll be on the field. Don't worry. You, you will not have to worry. Um, you know, I said, it's a lot different down here than, you know, because in, in a typical game, there's 10,000 people. Yeah. And that they just support it like that, and um, so you know it's funny because I talked to Fort Hills coach who's now teaching at Snow Hill, and he took over their football program, I believe, this year, or was involved in some capacity. Well, he, he's he's, an he's, he's been, he's Todd, been yeah. an
1: assistant, and it was our understanding that it was possible they were going to try and get him a Jay minute, but that didn't happen. Yeah. So, but yeah, he was.
2: Uh, uh, yeah, it was kind of.
1: All those guys are coming from the west. I mean, you had Pear that came from Hagerstown. Correct. You know.
2: Yeah. It, yeah. It's
1: it's that. Uh, you know, well, Peter didn't get the money at, uh, at Cambridge, South Dorchester, but Apple got it down, down the road. But, you know, we're sitting here talking about, you know, the programs. Your tennis team did something this year that they haven't done Correct. in at least 10 years. So we, we talked about the boys' basketball team, but the tennis team,
2: both boys and girls, both beat Queen Anne's this year. And our girls beat Easton, which that hasn't yes. happened in I don't know how long. So, again, we got two outstanding coaches in uh, Jordan Miller and Derek Enzer who have done it now. Jordan, I'm going to say probably around 10 years. Uh, they, they stick with it. They, they, they get them playing the summer. Um, and you're talking about the numbers being down. I think our numbers are up. When I look at the number of spring athletes, I mean, we got, we got JV and varsity baseball. Uh, there's a lot of schools that don't even have JV baseball anymore. Um, right. We have a, a boatload of tennis kids. I almost said we have 30 to 40 tennis kids. You know, we got 18 softball girls. So our numbers are really, really up from, you know, again, for the amount of kids we have in the school.
1: And whereas most schools, like you mentioned, the numbers are down. So, Mike, you were talking about the, the number of people that come out to. St. Michael's High School. We missed the opportunity. I was going to say that we would bring you to a game when they play Colonel at St. Michael's, and uh, that happened back on April fourth. And I guarantee you, there were at least five hundred people there, probably a lot more. And I'm looking at the schedule. I got to get you down there uh, at some point. I, I don't know
0: what your schedule looks. Uh, yeah, like. we'll work it out. I mean, Brooke. Well, first off, Brooke and I love St. Michael's. We go down there a lot of times in the summer. But we we drove by. I mean, we drove by the high school. We did. Some day trips when we, you know, when we moved here and all that, and getting more acclimated and familiar with the area a couple of years ago. Well, I guess five years ago now, but yeah.
1: So if you're yeah. listening to this on Tuesday morning, uh, going on this afternoon, St. Michael's is playing host to Easton High School uh, for a baseball game, but they've also got a uh, chicken barbecue fundraiser going on for uh, in in uh, memory of Pat Grogan, a uh, the player that you know from St. Michael's and and um, the uh, Tillman Island. And volunteer Fire Department, Jesse Gottlieb, uh, is doing that. So you can get chicken there this afternoon. Let's check it out, right?
0: Yeah. So now, no, real quick, now you mentioned St. Michael's Easton. Is there a name for this matchup? I know Colonel Richardson is a rival, but for Easton, I mean, that's an in-county team. That's got to be a rival. Is there a name for this matchup? Like the war on the shore we have for Ken Island Queen Anne's. Well, the Easton
2: folks would probably call it the border crossing. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I will tell you this. It doesn't matter which team's good or which team's bad. Th- this game is always close. Both teams play really hard. I Just just because they're all friends. Um, and Half
1: of them th- live in Easton and now play at St.
2: Michael's. <laughs> <laughs> so that even makes the rivalry even bigger. Yeah. But uh, no, but like Mark said, uh, Pat Grogan passed away suddenly. And... Uh, he he did so much for on our field on his own i go out there on a sunday and he's out there you know bringing in stone to put down or doing whatever and um that's why rick stacy's there now cuz you know he's a turf guy <laughs> well rick also played for me while he was at saint michael's right. and um so i think he wanted to come back and, and it's funny, because I, you know, I said to him, he, said, he thought I'd be upset. I said, Rick, why would I be upset? You're at Easton. I don't, you know, you, you're coaching. You're doing a lot of good things for kids. and uh, So I'm really glad he came back, too. But, yeah. And not only is he a good baseball guy, he's a great turf guy. So yes. that has also helped us as well.
1: You know, one of the best fields uh, that you, know, is, you can be found in the Bayside, there's two really good fields. One's at St. Michael's, and the other one is at Snow Hill. You know, probably the two best fields in the Bayside. Um, My field back when I first... We're
0: talking like Augusta National type fields? Yes, (laughs) yes.
1: And, you know, my field used to be nice when Mr. Roy Roy, uh, managed it when I was there for a couple years. And then he left and went down to um, uh, Colonel Richardson to get that ballpark built. And uh, he he was very integral in making that happen and in grooming that place. But Mister Roy, I would call him
2: for tips. Yeah, he He, had a he had a concoction of sprite. I don't know what else he had. He he would put on the field uh, for the phosphorus and this one, you know, for that. And uh, he was quite a character. And um, he did this all out of the goodness of his heart. Yeah, and um, yeah, he
1: he never accepted anything. Um, and he did the field there at North Carolina for my first two years there. Um, and it was, it was immaculate. It's, you know, nothing now, but we got to get you to a St. Michael's game. Um, you know, and, uh,
0: uh, they're going to be playing. They host Easton well, on Tuesday, and we need to come up with a name for that game, then, Coach. If there, there's not one, well, I'm shocked that there's not a name for that rivalry. Well, I downplay it, all right,
1: so, uh, <laughs> because, because of all that's been said like, over I the years, I downplay it, <laughs> I it. I it. and, and I,
2: I also like I, I don't want our kids juiced up. Sometimes some of our coaches and I get an argument over that. I said, you know, I don't want my pitcher all sky high getting come ready to take a field because. It's, you're doing a uh, precision activity like trying to throw a strike, yeah. and, you know. Like if you're shooting a rifle, you, that guy don't get hyped up. And when they did Mahomes, they did Mahomes's heart rate. He had the lowest heart rate on the field in one of those playoff games. Yeah. You want those guys chill and, and being able to focus on the job at hand. And uh, yeah. but um, <laughs> when we play Colonel Richardson, it's hard to keep them keep them keep them not getting hyped because it's a, it's a big rivalry yeah. and it uh, has and it's, been forever.
1: And it's great you say that because. They're at Colonel Richardson, which is a great venue to go watch the game on April 28th. It's a Thursday, and you want to see people. Colonel gets a good support. St. Michael's gets good support. And and not only do the players talk, then you got the coaches. They don't Uh, really do a whole lot of talking, but the fans. The fans are nuts. I mean, there's cowbells. There's, you know, there's just so much. And then you have the most irritating thing. And I always hated this play in St. Michael's Bill Burton's whistle. I hate that damn whistle. I, I said well, several times. Several singles
2: involved in it. Yeah, so, you know, that's why he uses it.
1: There's several times I said, I wish he'd choke on a baseball. <laughs> I love the guy, great guy,
2: but I can't stand that whistle. See, he's a Ford Hill guy. Didn't know that, did you?
1: Yeah, I did. You did, yeah, because he came from uh, Cumberland. So I bring up Bill Burton because he's one of your assistants. And St. Michael's, Mike, you might not know this, but baseball is a game of signs. And St. Michael's, their players. You must give them $100 if they're able to pick off a sign or something because these kids, they all are up watching the game, and they are known for stealing
2: signs. Well, I, we got one of my assistants is now the pitching coach at Hopkins, uh, ex, former players. And I talked to him a lot. He said, Buddy, we we get the signs from everybody playing seconding. Our kids are so smart, and it keeps them logged in. I started thinking, well, maybe uh, we're not that level academically, but we can try to steal these. So that, that's what they do. The guys aren't in the game; they're trying to get signs and seeing whatever they can do. And I said, it's a way, "Way you can contribute? Yeah, you have and, to mix um, them up, you know." <laughs> and, so.
1: and you use the risk coach with the numbers.
2: Yeah, but now I want. I'd like to do what uh, they're all doing now. It's it's <laughs> all. Uh, Digital, so it'll say on there. Fastball, you plug it in. Somebody's got a little uh, controller set. Oh, and that's what MLB starting. So is Vanderbilt. I saw every single player on Vanderbilt has it, Uh, and and probably would speed the game up because now you're not doing multiple sides. Now the only thing I don't know is how the pitcher can shake off because. (laughs) I don't know if he can re- reply back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you can. It's, a, it's supposedly it's all in is oh, no, isn't it? No, this oh, is a, on there. uh they wear a wristband. Okay. And it'll say on there fastball, curveball away or what they wear it on offense, right. steal, right. green light.
0: And there's a microphone in the hat. There's a little wire in the hat where the pitcher hears it and right. three three players up to three players in the infield can can hear about positioning yeah. and that's how they do it. Now, the question is can you hear it in a loud you know if the stadium's loud can the pitcher hear it can a runner on base hear it from one of the infielders having it but right. you're right i think they could shake off but you're right I, i'm trying is it fast track or fast ta- i'll have to look it up on yeah. my phone but yeah it's a, it's the new it's it's just been implemented this year right well, that's
2: going to be one of my fundraising activities for next year so know, <laughs> yeah, i don't know what it costs i have emailed them and reached out to the company to see if what it would take um is that even legal in high school yet well, we can use we can use a wristband uh, with numbers on it. Now I, that has come up with the NFHS that the, the pitcher still has to get on the rubber to take a sign from the catcher, right? Because right. he has to show that he's whether that sign means anything or not. Right. Um, but that is a rule off of it. But it just it, I think it speeds the game up. There's no stealing of signs. Right. Um, it's very simplistic. So. I should have brought one in, and um, but yeah, but it would be the one I saw Vanderbilt have. I don't think they had the headset; they just had the (laughs) uh, the little it it shot on it. What it was, Mm -hmm. I know MLB has the headset.
1: So, It'll be know. interesting to see how how the game continues to change. Will. I mean, you know, I mean... Pitchcom. Pitchcom. Pitch you know, there you go. MLB. So there you go. You can check that out. Pitchcom. Uh, but uh, this year, your baseball team, let's get back to the baseball okay. aspect real quick. Um, you, you've got some good pitchers. you got uh, uh, Jacob Seek, who we talked about how, you know, he's got the best rotation ever seen. And, and then, of course, you've got... Uh, uh, sure would you you you've got some good players. Is this team good enough to win it all?
2: Well, we we, we tell them they're good enough, but they're not good enough right now. They mm-hmm. got to get better. They you know, and uh, Coach Burton uses the phrase "We got to get one percent better every day," and um, he uses the word uh, cuisine. Which is a Japanese word for improvement in small increments. So that's what we try to stress with them. You know, we can't be satisfied. And I'm kind of, I don't, you know, nobody ever wants to lose, but losing a couple games last week um, woke them up. Yeah, well, it makes you aware of we got areas we need to improve in. Mm -hmm. And now you see why we're harping about. Taking the proper lead, or now on a fly ball, getting all you can get because you would have scored if you did, but now you only went halfway. You didn't score when the ball's hit to the left side when you're on second base. It's got to go through. You know, well, we got thrown out at third. So all those little things you got to really get rid of them, and that's why it sounds like uh, you know we're nagging the heck out of them, but we're trying to stay on them so that. It becomes habit like you'd mentioned earlier that uh, you don't do it anymore,
1: Jody Hyde told me years ago, and I think Matt Griffith said the same thing, and you know um, in your regular season in these high school sports other than football, uh, except for this coming year again, mm-hmm. uh, every game is nothing more than a scrimmage because it doesn't matter until you get <laughs> to the playoffs when it's win or go home, so is that your approach as well?
2: Well, we're still trying to win. We'd like to win the Bayside. We'd like to get the highest seed possible. Um, But we do stress that. These are just dress rehearsals. All your games are dress rehearsals. now, But you want to get the highest seed so you can get home games. And now Mm. the new state system, where eight teams go to the state playoffs... You know, I, I don't want to be on a bus riding to Northern Garrett, right? You know, which, right. which I'm trying to think you did last year, or Catoctin had to go up there last year, mm-hmm. um, prior to playing us. But if just think if you were Snow Hill, yeah, and you had that, that's a four, five hour trip, yeah. Which,
1: uh, boy, I tell you what, and uh, you know, you have a team that goes to the playoffs that doesn't win a game, and you got to go to the number one seed, you know, and, and get shellacked. That's just in the new regional lineups. <laughs> Right, you know, I mean, it's like, whew,
2: yeah, <laughs> you, you don't really like that. No, not you know that happened to us in basketball. We had to go to the one seed, but um, you know, you, you, so if you can get a higher seed, you know, it certainly benefits you along yeah. the way. But um, I, 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 you know, I kind of like the new system. The one problem is there's a lot of Baltimore City schools that are getting high seeds, right? And then, well, yeah, it was, then they lose in the first round, but they're getting that seed. So, you know, Catonton was in the lower half last year. Who? By far, it was the best team we played. And um, you just don't know how that's all going to shake out, especially because they play in a really tough league.
1: Well, and I remember last year, there were a lot of PG County schools that didn't oh. play at all, and your first game was Frederick Douglass. Yeah. And they came in there, and I, I was like, oh, my God, their pitcher can't even get it to the plate. Hey. I mean,
2: it was it was brutal to watch, but... You got to play the games assigned to you. Well, we called, off. we tried to call, to, to their credit, we tried to call off the dogs. Right. In the first inning. Right. Um, he came over to our bench and he was a Caroline County grad, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And he said, um, Coach, I know what you're trying to do, um, I appreciate it. But I want my kids to see how baseball is supposed to be played. I want you to play as hard as you can. I want you to do all you can. He said, "I understand you're going to sub. That's fine, but don't change the way you call the game." I had a lot of respect for him for that. Right. Yeah. 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 You know. Absolutely. So,
1: and they went out and played. They never quit. Nope. And uh, but it was uh, a game, but it was another step. You know that you got to play the games as they're assigned to you. You can't pick that. This year, more teams are competing, so it's not going to the the likelihood of getting a matchup like that probably isn't going to happen.
2: I still think it can because mm. the way their leagues the, the the regions are set up. In I'm just going to talk one a baseball in the West. I'm going to say four of the top eight teams are in one region. Okay. Wow. So, I mean, they're going to beat the heck out of each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, Us and Colonel Richardson are in the same region, um, where I think the south region, Snow Hill, is going to run away with it. I say that, Mardella just beat them, who's in their region. But, um, you know, I think that was a pitching situation. But, you know, it all depends on what your region is. Right. You know?
1: Right. Well, listen, we appreciate sure. you, uh, you know, coming and joining us today. Mike, you have anything you want to add before we uh... –
0: no, no, just appreciate it. I, I guess just real quick, Coach, you mentioned your time at JMU with some pretty outstanding football players that <laughs> ended up going to the NFL. Do you have any stories of note that you can share with us about the good old days at JMU with some of those guys? The well,
2: time you and, and Gary Clark were sitting around, you know. I, 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 I can only share that Scott Norwood, we, um, we didn't have a kicker. And our coach went to the soccer coach, I think it was my sophomore year, and said, do you have anybody that maybe isn't getting a lot of playing time that can got a strong leg? And he said, yeah, I have this guy. And he came out, and that was his first year there, and the first, he kicked a 59-yard field goal. First year ever kicking a football. Um, and unfortunately, the Charles Haley story is I can't share any of that. Yeah. Understood. But, um, yeah.
0: So did he know. just end up uh, keep playing football and not soccer, or did he end up doing both? No,
2: he stopped right there, and once he saw he had a future in football, and there were people coming and telling him, you could get drafted yeah. with a leg like this. And um, yeah. You know, that's what he did. Wow.
1: Also, so, again, then, that's a good story. Then, Do you stay in touch
2: with those guys? No. I, no. I would see him maybe in, a, in an outing. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, Haley was... I was my fifth year. I was uh, student teaching. He came in as a freshman that year, and he beat out, funny, my cousin who'd been a three year starter there. And he still complains about it. I said, for God's sake, you got a guy in the Hall of Fame that has beaten you out. You know, um, so you know, it wasn't a Hall of Famer at the time. Though. He wasn't. He wasn't. But you, you could see he yeah. was. He was different than everybody in that school. He just athletically, he was so blessed and um, fast, and he just had. He was a total package from that from that standpoint. You know.
1: Uh, before before we let you go, we got to bring up, because you're friends with Matt Griffith. Matt Griffith coached yeah. with you. Um, you know, he, you stole him from me. And, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, damn, you never do stop recruiting, do you, Coach? <laughs> he, he has to come. I know. <laughs> so, but Matt Griffith, uh, you know, he comes back this year. Brian Sofonowski oh. is coming back this year to coach football. Um, James didn't leave, even though his assistants left. And it's going to be interesting to see, you know, I mean, you've been a coach for many years, you know, to see McCormick stay and then Sofonowski and Griffith come back. Were
2: you a little surprised by that? Um, I wasn't surprised with Matt because I knew he wanted to go see – His son played football. His Mm -hmm. son graduated. I have a feeling his son's going to be one of his assistants, if I was going to guess. Uh, So I think that would be a neat thing. And um, I don't know what Brian's case was in Kent Island. I don't know why he left and came back. But, uh, oh, another just tremendous football coach. And I think James wants to groom His his replacement, his some young guys coming in. I have a feeling because that's just the kind of guy he is. Yeah, Um, but there there are some really good good football coaches in the Bayside and the South the same way. So it's it's going to be interesting. You know, Easton's got a couple kids that are Division One, and um, you know, uh, uh, obviously Decatur does. So you you like football? I do,
1: like football
2: and you're not doing anything on Friday nights. Mm.
1: Um, you know, with Griffith leaving, we do have a color commentator position open. Uh, if you'd like to spend your Friday nights with me our, on our Overtime well, uh, Live. if you're using <laughs> <it as>
0: that <laughs> <of> <laughs> you as the number one selling point, it's DOA right there. <laughs> it pays. Not a lot, but okay, it pays. That's what you need to leave with. Well, what, I, what,
2: I, what I've been doing has been actually scouting for people here and there if they've asked for it. So, um, you could still do that as our color commentator. That might be a conflict of interest, I would think.
1: No, no, it wasn't for me when I worked with
2: McCormick <laughs> as a JV coach. Uh, of
0: course, so. Coach's wife's like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> You won I like
2: ninety percent of the year, yeah. That you're going to take away on Friday. night. <laughs> fr- Friday night could be difficult, right? Yeah.
1: But, yeah. but uh, well, listen. Thanks again for joining yeah. us and give us some time. And that's great. You know, this yeah. has been this has been fantastic. Uh, if you're listening, share, share, share. Let folks know. Um, make sure you check out uh, shoresportsmd.com as well. Uh, we enjoyed doing stuff like this, and uh, we had a request. Hey, when you going to talk baseball? Got that a couple of weeks ago. Well, here it is. We're talking baseball with a guy that knows baseball and has been around here for a long time. And uh, so fun to talk with him about all of the different players that uh, that he has seen play here on the shore and and people that he's coached with and coached against and you know and we could spend another hour with him for sure um, but we can't hold him up we'll any sit longer for next time. Yeah, yeah he he had a busy practice today so thanks again for listening greatly appreciated and uh, who knows maybe we'll be back next week with another podcast yeah, that's here that's the plan yeah that is the plan as long as mike doesn't get sick or i don't leave or have nothing else to do but uh, Thanks again for tuning in. And again, check out ShoresportsMD.com.
0: You've been listening to the Time Out with Shore Sports podcast with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Look for another timeout soon here on ShoresportsMD.com.